Amen. Well, good morning. My name's Justin. It's great to be with you this morning. I'm one of the pastors here, and if I've never met you before, um, welcome. Um, welcome to church. It's good to, to, to be here and to get to dive into God's Word together. Um, we're going through a series in Hebrews chapter 11 called Our Journey of Faith on these third Sundays of each month. And um, as we start this morning, I kind of want to ask you a question. What do you think of when you think of the idea of home? That old idea of home, right? Maybe you think of those old quotes, uh, home is where the heart is, or uh, there's no place like home, right? For me, I always think of a funny quote from a guy named, uh, an old evangelist named Billy Sunday, and he said, home is the place we love the best and grumble the most. And that's kind of me. I, I, love, I love home because I feel like I can kind of let down my guard. I can just be me, right? Home, ultimately, in every definition of home, home comes down to the place that we feel like we belong, Right? Like that old John Denver song, right? Country roads take me home to the place where I belong, right? And we all kind of resonate with that, with that feeling of wanting to, um, to be somewhere that feels like it's our space and to be with people that feel like they're our people, right? Um, no matter what your experience of home is, whether it's been good or bad throughout your lifetime, we all as people at the core of us desire to make anywhere we're at our home. It's something that, it's kind of a basic human desire and want to feel at home. And, and here's one of the interesting things I've kind of come to realize throughout the years that, um, that kind of comes to mind when I think of home is as much as I want to make somewhere my home, the idea of home is always changing in our lives. The idea of home is always kind of developing and growing, being something that we, we seek after and still want. Um, I realized this um, probably back in January when I had the opportunity to spend the night in my childhood home. Um, my daughter was turning 10, and she was having a birthday party, and as much as my son and I would have liked to have stayed there and had our nails painted and our, our makeup done, um, we thought it was better of us to get out for the night, and so we had to go find somewhere to crash for the night, and um, I grew up in Rancho Santa Margarita, and my mom still lives in the home that I grew up in, and so I called my mom, I go, hey, Connor and I are coming to crash tonight, and she goes, oh, awesome, it's been like 20 years since you've spent the night here, so um, that'll be fun. We go there all the time, but I never take my son there and actually, you know, stayed the night. And all kinds of memories come back. If you've ever had a home like that that you grew up in, all kinds of memories start coming back. And, and my poor son, he just, he had to endure all these memories as I take him there. I'm like, Connor, Connor, you don't understand. He goes off to the bathroom. I go, oh, you got to jiggle the handle five times and, you know, the door won't close all the way. Don't worry. We won't make fun of you, you know. And you know those feelings when you're at home. You just know every little creak and nook and, and handle and, and I'm telling him we're walking through the atrium area. I go, oh, this is where this is where our first animal, our bunny rabbit died, sprinkles. And this is where dad made me go pick him up after him being dead there for two days and go carry him to the trash can and throw him away. And you know, this, that's how I learned about death. And, um, you know, so I'm telling him a story. I'm like, over there, that corner, that's where I almost got arrested. And, and probably shared way too many stories. But, like, by late at night, it was, he needed to go to bed. He had a soccer game the next morning. And, and my mom's like, hey, Connor, do you want to just stay up with us and hear more stories? Or you can go to bed now. And he looked at me, and he goes, oh, no way. I'm going to bed. And he goes, and he crashes. And and, and I realized something that night as I was sleeping in my old home and as I kind of nostalgic memories were kind of popping up. But um, as I laid there in my bed, it was home, but it wasn't my home right now. I mean, I miss my current home with my wife and my daughter who are making new memories there at home. Um, I miss being around the dinner table with my family now. And, and it's one of those things that I realize home changes a lot throughout our lifetimes. 
You probably thought about this, or maybe you've come to think about this or understand this, right? Maybe home for you, you think of your childhood home. Maybe home for you, when you really think of that feeling of home, you think of the home that maybe you raised your family in, and you had your kids in, and, and, and you started your family in. Or maybe, maybe you've realized home as your kids have grown and moved out of the house, home's a little different now. Home feels different. Maybe home for you at different times has been an RV or a motor home, or maybe you recall a time where home was the military barracks or um, you know, the college dorm room that you stayed in, right? Home can be different for us. I know for one guy I read, he said, home for me is uh, sitting in my rocking chair reading, looking out at the sunset from my nursing home that I live in. And he goes, that's home. But no matter what it is or where it is that you think of home, the idea of home is something we're always kind of chasing here on earth. We're always wanting to feel because home is where we belong. And we always want to feel like we belong. We always want to feel like, like man, we're where we need to be and where we should be. And, and I bring up that idea and that concept because this morning, the Apostle Paul is going to kind of take us into that idea. He's going to explain that, look, there is a better way to view this than we typically to, do on this earth. In Hebrews chapter 11, as he's talking about faith, he says, look, there's going to be a better way to view home that will perhaps give you more joy and peace and satisfaction than any home here on earth is ever going to bring you. So that's kind of the context and background for this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be in verses 13 through 16 this morning, so let me read those to you as we begin. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So last month, if you guys were here, um, as we've been journeying through Hebrews chapter 11, last month the Apostle Paul brought up the example of faith involving Abraham. And he brought up Abraham's family, and essentially we looked at how faith means we step out and we trust the Lord sometimes, even when everything doesn't make sense. Even when all the answers aren't there in front of us, even when we don't have the directions or know the path that we're really going on, we're holding on to the Lord and his promises. And now he kind of pauses after getting into the life of Abraham, and he goes, look, I want you to understand something. Abraham, and we'll jump back into Abraham uh, next month, but Abraham lived a life of faith. But he starts verse 13 by saying, he also died in faith. He says, these all died in faith, right? Essentially, he's saying, look, Abraham, he lived, but he died in faith. He, even until the day he died, was holding on and trusting the Lord. They were holding on, as he goes on to say, ultimately to promises that were never fulfilled in his lifetime. He looked forward. They knew what God had said. They knew what God had promised. They saw it afar off. And even though they didn't see it fulfilled in their lifetime, they embraced it and held on in hope. Right? Abraham, God said in Genesis chapter 12, get out from your family and go to a new land. And I'll show you that land as you go. Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation of you. Abraham, through you, all nations of the world are going to be blessed. And so Abraham stepped out. 
Abraham began that journey. Now, he didn't do it perfectly. There's a lot of stumbles along the way, but, but nonetheless, as, as we looked at last month, as the passage, uh, you know, verses from 8 to 12 before us tell us, Abraham stepped out and he held on to that, that promise, that hope. And what Paul now says, and, and this is an important aspect of faith, this is something I don't think we're always comfortable with, is look, Abraham didn't see everything fulfilled in his lifetime. There is an element of Abraham's faith that required patience. This is really hard, right? Uh, It's a part of Christianity that I don't don't think we're always up front about. It's a part of our walk with God that, that, that for me as a pastor, it's much easier to preach to you. Just do everything God wants you to do, and right now and today, everything's going to be better. Just do and and, and do and trust God, and don't worry, it's going to be easier tomorrow. But but the fact and the reality is, is look, you are promised to have hope. You're promised forgiveness, you're promised grace, you're you're promised joy and peace in this world, but but easy living, but a a lack of trials, but no suffering in this world. Look, that's never a promise that was made to us. Our faith goes ultimately hand in hand with patience. And And I struggle with that because I want things right now when it comes to this. I want my Wi-Fi right now. I want my Starbucks right now. I don't want to wait in line for with traffic. I want to take the toll road. I don't care what I got to pay. It's like we, we live in a world where we want everything immediately, right? We've got Instacart. We've got, you can Uber Eats and you can get your food here. You don't have to go wait in line. It's like now, now, now. And then when it comes to the Lord, he goes, look, there's an element where I'm going to satisfy you and meet you where you are right now. But there's also an element to your faith where everything's not going to happen right now. Uh, We want no trials, no pain, no suffering. We want it all right now. But God never promised that right now. I I brought this up in the men's study last month when I was teaching them. Jesus brings this up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. He says, as he starts what we call the Sermon on the Plain, he says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall in the future be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall, in the future, laugh. Right? That, that's a struggle for me. He goes on to later say, he says, Blessed are you if you're persecuted for my name's sake. Laugh and be filled with joy. He's like, go do cartwheels because people are persecuting you because of me. Because look, and his point here, and his point as he goes on and gives woes in that passage, his point is, is look, your life isn't all about having everything perfect right now. That's not what we're living for. Your now is something that's going, or your good now is something that's going to be fully fulfilled outside of this earth in what he calls the kingdom of God. He goes, but woe to the people who are trying to grab everything and trying to have everything right now. If that's what you're living for this world, then that's all you're going to get. Right? And, and, and you know, if we're really honest with our Bibles as we go through them, then We'll kind of notice this as you, as you pick up this theme. Never in the scriptures are we promised that everything's going to be perfect right now, right? We aren't promised that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain right now. That's not until we see the new heaven and new earth in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. We're told over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, that we're promised an inheritance that can never spoil, uh, spoil perish, or fade. But this inheritance, uh, Peter says, is kept in heaven for us. One of my favorites, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. 
according to Christ Jesus. He goes, look, there are particular blessings that we are longing for, that we desire and that we want in this world and on this earth, but they're just not going to simply be met here. There are promises that God has made to us that, that we would love, and it would be so easy for me to pretend that, that, look, everything you do, you go to church, you do all the right stuff, then right now is when you're going to receive all the goodness that God has promised. But the fact of the matter is, is a lot of that's not till we get to heaven one day. And this, is, this, this understanding of patience is what caused Abraham to kind of, kind of understand something important about his life on earth. And Paul points this out at the end of verse 13. Look at this. He says, but having seen them, the, the promises that were made to him, afar off, he was assured of them, and he embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I love that. He realized, look, that there had come a point as he journeyed here on this, in this world, as he, as he was following the Lord, as he was walking by faith, there came this point when he had to realize that he was never going to truly find everything they were looking for here on earth. Right, that ultimately all the promises God had made and all the promised land he was looking for was something that was beyond what this world could provide. In verse 15, it says that if he didn't realize this, he would have had um, a reason to turn back. It's like he would have given up if he didn't understand this. There was something better that lied ahead for him. There was something more than this world could provide. So they, they, his family, they set their eyes on that and they stopped trying to make this world their home. And they desired a better, we're told in verse 16, that is a heavenly country. See, something special happens in our faith when we begin to understand that this world is ultimately not where we belong. Right? And I'm not going to pretend this is easy or a simple concept that, that it's really natural for us to live out, right? But I tell you this, not understanding this is a cause for a lot of the trouble and stress and grief in my life. Follow, follow Paul's thinking here. He says in verse 14, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. So if I'm someone who realizes, look, I'm not going to get it all right now, but there is coming a day. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger on this earth. He says, you're declaring that you're ultimately seeking a homeland. That word for homeland is a really good word there. It's one of those key words in this, in this uh, section here. It's, a, it's the word patris. We get our word paternal from it. It's, it's not just a word that refers to like, hey, Abraham and his family were just seeking the right place to live, the right land that they could live in. Like, you know, he wanted the sweet crib. He wanted the Robin Leach lifestyles of the rich and famous, you know, 20 bedroom palatial estate. He just felt like, now I'm home. I've made it, right? That wasn't it. The, the what is it, champagne dreams and caviar wishes, right? That wasn't his idea when he thought of homeland. The actual word there, Patris, it's, it's not a word that refers to land at all. It refers to, well, we could say fatherland. It's the word of a feeling like you're in your native place. You're in the place that you truly, you speak like the people around you, you look like the people around you, you're truly home, your fatherland. It's where you belong. And he realized this. He goes, look, on this earth, I'm never going to find at the end of the day, as much as I might get glimpses in my house or in my home with my family, I'm never going to feel fully like, man, I'm where I belong. God has something more than that for me. 
And verse 16, it says that, that they desired something that only God could provide, right? He desired a heavenly country or homeland. He realized this, look, my true belonging, the true rest that I want, is only going to come and be met in God's presence. This is one of the great keys to, uh, to living a life by faith here on earth. Right? Most of our frustrations in this world come as we find that the world around us is not really uh, living up to what we truly long for. Right? We're frustrated because things aren't going the way we think they should. We're frustrated because people don't use the same logic or sense as us. We're frustrated because, man, we live in this world and it just feels, it feels strange at times. I love what C.S. Lewis, my favorite quote of his, said in Mere Christianity. He said, if I, find myself, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And it's so true. We've all felt that, right? I mean, haven't you ever turned on the TV and just felt like you live on a foreign planet? It's like you're looking at the news and you're going, oh my goodness, like... People are arguing for this political stance. People are, I mean, people are out there. They don't know whether they're boys or girls. They don't know how to define that anymore. I can't leave, I can't leave my kids alone with the Disney Channel. You know, it's like everything, it almost, it can be so frustrating when you step into this world and you're going, oh man, these people, these values, this system, it's not right. But, and this is a question I've had to learn to ask myself time and time again, because it changes everything. What do you expect from people who only have this life? What do you expect from people who can only look at this world as home? Right? What do you expect from people who don't have the hope of Jesus in their lives? Suddenly it changes my perspective. I go, you know what, you know what all this is out there? It's people trying to make this world their home. People trying to make it fit their flesh and their desires and their wants, people trying to make themselves belong, and believe me, they're not any happier because of it. As a matter of fact, most people, I found this kind of an odd thing for Ikea to do, but Ikea did a, a study a few years ago on, on what makes, um, how many people feel at home, and they found about half of the people out of 22,000 people that they interviewed, five out of 10 people felt like wherever they lived didn't feel like home. That's like, Half of, the, half of the world is out there going, man, I really want to belong and I just don't feel at home. And when you look at this world, that's what you see. When you turn on the TV and you look at the news and you hear the arguments and you hear people that don't have your perspective, look, it's people who are trying to make this world their home. And it should break our hearts, not make us argue and yell at them. Right? Our frustrations come when we, in the end, as Christians, are trying to make this world our home. Because now our values don't align with theirs. Now our arguments and our place here, you know, is, is, is fighting against theirs. And it's like, man, this has never been our call as Christians to make this world our home. It's, it's been to improve this world, to be a light in this world, but it's never been to make this world our home. Jesus said this multiple times throughout his ministry. Over in John chapter 15, he said, you, to his disciples, you are not of this world. But God chose you out of this world. I love John chapter 17 as Jesus is praying. It's his high priestly prayer. And he repeats that again. He goes, you are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. What Paul said over in Philippians chapter 3 is so good. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And what we see here and what we learn from Abraham is, look, our faith is, 
if we really are trusting God and stepping out, our faith is going to require us to be patient because at the end of the day, this world is not our home. It's kind of like a layover in an airport, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just have to endure it. You're not always going to like it, right? Nobody ever books a flight or goes on vacation and goes, oh, how many layovers can I get, you know? And how long can I stretch this out, right? You know, it's it's like, no, you you go into a layover, you go into the airport, and you're just like, man, this is just going to suck no matter what. Like, it's going to be bad food. It's like people, at best, you get some work done or, you know, you take a nap. But it's like you don't look at it and you don't just settle in and go, hey, let's roll out a rug here. Maybe I can bring in a recliner, change my Amazon shipping address to the the airport. It's like, yeah, you'd be crazy if you were looking at the airport and going, man, this is my home. Right? No, it's just, you're just passing through to your final destination to somewhere better. And in some sense, and I don't mean it in the most negative way, like a layover is, but in some sense, our time on earth here is better looked at as a, a layover, right? This is not your ultimate destination. And, and, and when you realize that you're just passing through this world, right, it brings a certain type of freedom to the way you look at life. That true belonging that, that we want and that, that we desire in this world is only going to be found in the one who created us. It's only going to be found in the Lord. I love what Paul said over in Colossians chapter 3. He said, if, and this is especially relevant on the heels of Easter where we looked at the resurrection. And, he, and Paul says this to the Colossian church. He says, if you then being raised with Christ, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Such a good perspective. Look. Christ has died for us. He's resurrected us. He's called us out of this world. So don't settle. And don't think that this world is going to give you everything your heart desires. It's not. But then you think, if you're like me, well, doesn't that make this life here on earth kind of suck? Doesn't it just make it? Doesn't it just sound like, hey, you're not going to get anything great now? I, I think quite the opposite, if you really understand this. Like I said, it brings about a certain type of freedom to your life. To know that you don't have to take on the values, the stresses, the worries, the things that this this world values more than anything else. It reminds us that this ultimately is not what we live for. Right, that our expectations as Christians are are, they're gonna be different, right? You don't have to keep up with people around you. You don't have to have the the great career that other people have. You you don't have to have more money than everyone else. You don't have to have all the things that the people around you are desiring and and looking at to make them at home, right? Eventually, your looks are going to fade, and you can be okay with that. Eventually, your health is going to decline, and you don't have to freak out about that because in the end, you realize, man, this is not my home. And it changes now the way I view everything. It changes the way I view people, my family, my possessions. It changes the way I, 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 I mean, it actually gives me the proper view of how I should hold on to things in this world. And it makes life here a lot more precious. It makes my time here a lot more important and impactful. When I realize, look, I am not here to, to plop down and to make this, take all the money I can for myself, take all the resources I can, make everyone around me live to make me happy, put all the, the, the burdens I have on my spouse or on my, my family around me. It's like, no, I understand something. Look, 
They can never ultimately in the end give me the belonging that I truly desire. And now I can value them and appreciate them and be salt and light in this world like I was supposed to be. Because I'm not turning on the TV and getting angry at everyone else out there who's doing things wrong. No, I turn on the TV and I go, man, it just bums me out because these people just want to be at home. And they're missing something great, which is what the Lord has for them. An old pastor friend of mine used to say, it ain't heaven till it's heaven. And it's so true, right? And I say that to my kids all the time. When they complain about something, grumble about something, I'm like, it ain't heaven till it's heaven. And it's not going to be. There's a lot of things in this world that, man, I'm going to break your heart. There's a lot of things that you're going to face where you're going to go, man, I I don't want to face this. And the Lord goes, no, don't worry. You've got something greater coming. This isn't your home. Um, Pastor that I I really enjoy reading, his name's Tim Keller, um, a few years ago uh, started a battle with pancreatic cancer. And he's been facing it. He's almost, he's, he's, close to the end of his life now. And and about a year ago, he wrote an article in The Atlantic, and it was called um, Growing My Faith in the Face of Death. And he wrote about facing pancreatic cancer and and his journey with that. And I I came across this a while ago, and I thought it was so relevant for today. So let me share um, just a little part of what he wrote. He said, since my diagnosis, Kathy, his wife, and I have come to see that the more we tried to make a heaven out of this world, the more we grounded our comfort and security in it, the less we were able to enjoy it. To our surprise and encouragement, Kathy and I have discovered that the less we attempt to make this world into a heaven, the more we are able to enjoy it. No longer are we burdening it with demands impossible for it to fulfill. We have found that the simplest things, from sun on the water and flowers in the vase to our own embraces and conversation, bring more joy than ever. And this has taken us by surprise. It is only as I have become for lack of a better term, more heavenly-minded, that I can see the material world for the astonishingly good gift that it is. What a, what a great sense of reality he now has. And I, and I love to say um, he only gained it from facing you know, cancer, but in some sense, I mean, aren't we all facing a terminal end to our lives? I mean, aren't we all on that same train, just at different parts of it? It's like he peers in and he goes, look, I understood something. The more I tried to make this world a heaven around me, the more it, it felt strange and odd and the more frustrated and burdened I became. But the more I, I focused on heaven, the more I focused on not making this world my ultimate home, the, the more this world became precious to me. The more I saw the beauty in it. And that's, that's kind of the... The reality of what Paul's saying happened in Abraham's life here. He goes, look, Abraham came to this certain point in his faith, and I I challenge you to come to that point, whether you have or not today, where you realize that this world is not your home. Where you realize that, in some strange sense, you're always going to feel like a pilgrim. (laughs) Someone wandering. Someone just camping and passing through here. But that you've got a greater place that awaits you. And that's all, as we talked about on Easter, that's all built on the the sacrifice and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. The hope that we have because of, of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has given us this security that says, no, I have a greater tomorrow. And so I can enjoy today in a way I never would have before if I was trying to settle in and make this everything in my life. It makes us look at our work, makes us look at our families, it makes us look at everything that we do and say, 
you know, is this of eternal value? Is this really what matters in the end? And when we can live life like that, man, you begin to find that, that this world gets all the sweeter. That the hope, the, the grace that you live with, the peace that Jesus gives us, man, it becomes a fuel for, for how you now experience the world around you. And so as we close here this morning, I would encourage you this week, take some time to evaluate your life and go, what am I living for? Where do I consider my real home? The more we consider it heaven, the presence of God, the more you're going to actually enjoy this world and the things in it. The more we fight that and try to make this world (laughs) heaven on earth, the more we're going to find it frustrates us. Because in the end, it ain't heaven till it's heaven, right? So let's find ways to enjoy the layover. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so very much, first and foremost, for what Jesus, what you've done for us. How you died on the cross for our sins, but not just that. You rose from the dead to give us this hope, this hope of a of a resurrected life. Help us to, to never expect too much from this world, to never expect it to be our final resting place, Lord. Help us to, to hold it loosely and to, to hold on to you tightly. Lord, we thank you so very much that we have those promises, the promises of a new eternal body, the promises of no more pain and suffering, the promises of eternal glory in your presence. And help us now to look at this world and to to be the light, to be the salt, to be the, the influence that you want us to be here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.